Today we see our Lord Jesus Christ having a conversation with a man that was very much seeking his eternal benefit. Usually um, the sermons on Sunday, we don't take too much time to talk about theology, but I wanted to spend some time talking about the response of our Lord Jesus Christ to the man's question. So the man asks, Good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? Our Lord Jesus Christ says to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Why did our Lord Jesus Christ answer this way? Is he denying his divinity as the Son of God? If you ask people of other faith, if you ask people that are Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or a Jewish person or anyone who denies the divinity of Christ, they will point to this verse and point to this answer of our Lord Jesus Christ as proof that he himself did not claim to be God. They would argue and they would say, you believe that God is good. And so if God is good and Jesus said, don't call me good, then how can Jesus be God? But if we look carefully at the verses, our Lord Jesus Christ did not say, don't call me good. He carefully asked the young man, why do you call me good? This is important and it's not the first or the last time that Jesus answers a question with a question or asks questions in general. For example, in the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 11, the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees came to him and they said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gives you authority to do these things that you're doing? And Lord Jesus Christ, he an they answered them. He says, I'm going to ask you a question and if you answer me, I'll tell you what authority, by what authority I do these things. And he says, the baptism of John, is it from heaven or from man? And then they couldn't answer because they weren't, weren't sure if they should answer in support of St. John the Baptist or against St. John the Baptist. So they said, we don't know. And our Lord Jesus Christ answered then, I'm not going to answer you either. Christ is using what has become known now to us, who are uh, to, who's some people who study these things, uh, the Socratic method. Socrates, if you remember, is a Greek philosopher and he was a teacher. And famously, his teaching style, how did he teach? It consisted of him asking questions. Because by asking questions, it sort of forces the students to think, to defend their positions, to reflect on their motivation and on their opinions. Instead of just spitting information at the students, Socrates felt the best way for people to learn is for me to ask them questions and make them think, make them defend themselves. Listen to some of the questions asked by our Lord Jesus Christ recording the gospel. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward is that to you? Or he also says, why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eyes, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? He says, why are you afraid, O men of little faith? He asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? He tells the people, what profit is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Our Lord Jesus Christ, just like all good teachers, asks questions to get others to think about the answers, to struggle with the issue in order to arrive at the best answer. More importantly, our Lord Jesus Christ is asking questions in order for us to self-reflect, to look at and evaluate relationships in our life, relationship with God, 
relationship with other people, and the relationship with ourselves. This explains our Lord Jesus Christ's answer to the rich man's question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Our Lord Jesus Christ is challenging the man to re-examine his relationship with money. Sell what you have. Re-examine his relationship with others. Give to the poor. Re-examine his relationship with God. Follow me. Our Lord Jesus Christ is giving us the same challenge. When we ask questions, we are better prepared for the answer. We're better prepared to question ourselves. God in the Bible actually always asks the right questions. Like after Adam and Eve had eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he asks, Adam, where are you? And Adam is each one of us. And God asks each one of us, where are you? Where is your heart? What are you living for? Who do you love? Are you with me or against me? Sometimes we ask the wrong kind of questions. How can I be happy? How can I get what I want? St. James, the apostle, he warns about us asking the wrong kinds of questions. He says, where do fights and wars come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So instead we should rephrase these sorts of questions. Where can I find the kind of life whose byproduct is joyfulness? And who will teach me to want the right things? Going back to those who use this line of questioning as proof that Christ is not God, ask yourself, is it right or wrong to call Jesus good? I think we would all agree that it is okay and is right to call Jesus good. This is why sinners were drawn to Him. That's why righteous people loved Him. That's why even His enemies were forced to invent false charges against Him at His trial. We can't even say that our Lord Jesus Christ was relatively good in comparison to the rest of humanity because Scripture tells us that there's absolutely no sin or unrighteousness in Him whatsoever. Our Lord Jesus Christ was and is entirely and completely good. With a goodness that is completely indistinguishable from God's goodness. So then if our Lord Jesus Christ is undeniably good, and that's what Scripture tells us, and we both agree that only God is good, then who must Jesus be? Right? He must be God. So you can see that our Lord Jesus Christ is not by any means denying his divinity to this rich young man or his goodness. If anything, he's confirming it. Reading this verse correctly, we can see that our Lord simply trying to make this man slow down and put the pieces of the puzzle together as who this good Jesus must truly be. And why would he do that in particular in this case? There were many people who came to our Lord Jesus Christ mostly asking for healing, and usually he healed them with just sort of a brief word about the importance of faith or the importance of living without sin. But here our Lord Jesus Christ spoke of much more. He is granting sort of a mini theophany, a mini revelation, showing his divinity. Why did he do this? 
The answer can be found in the fact that this young man's request was different than most of the other people's requests. Why is this man's request different? Why is this man's request special? What did he come seeking? He did not come to seek physical healing. He did not come to seek help. He came to seek salvation. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And we see the wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ's response. First, he spoke of the need to follow the commandments of God. Many of us can be lackadaisical and have sort of a carefree attitude about sin, feeling that as long as I show up to church on Sunday or because I'm baptized or because I fast or because I take communion and my sins are forgiven and my actions now are more or less irrelevant. But there is something that really needs to be emphasized. The effects of sin are not marked on some sort of like scoreboard in heaven. The effects of sin are marked on our souls. Righteousness matters and the commandments of God are important to us or else our Lord Jesus Christ would not have said so. This young man, he claimed to have kept all of his commandments since he was young, since he was a youth. This was apparently not a false boast because if you read the gospel, our Lord Jesus Christ, it says that he looked at him and he loved him. From the gospel of St. Matthew, this account of this story, we can see that the young man was even further blessed to recognize that the commandments alone are not enough. He says, what do I still lack? So he's been following the commandments his whole life and he's saying, you know what, there is something else besides just following the commandments that I need. It's important for us to, to just think about that for a second. Have I ever thought to ask God, Lord, what do I still lack? What do I still lack so that I can follow you correctly? So I can follow you better? Most of us would rather tell God what we think is missing from our lives. And most of us sometimes can be miserable until He gives it to us. But what an amazing and bold thing to ask. Lord, what do I still lack? You can see why our Lord Jesus Christ loved this man. Here was a guy who was ready, as ready as about any other person could be, to receive the answer from our Lord Jesus Christ as what he needed to do to gain eternal life. And he told him, Jesus said, one thing that you lack, go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. But then at this command, the man became sad, and he went away grieving. Why? Because he had many possessions. Our Lord Jesus Christ, He knew He was asking a difficult and unexpected thing of this young man. That's why first, graciously, He allowed the man spiritual insight into His divine authority. He is saying, it's not simply a good teacher who is asking you this very hard thing. It is your good God who is asking you to do these things. Follow me in both life and death and you're going to live in my kingdom forever. The tragedy of this story is that even with this kind of wonderful revelation, the man still turned back from our Lord Jesus Christ and he walked away. Before we are tempted to think that we are, or that our Lord Jesus Christ was too harsh, notice that the young man, he did not go away angry. He did not go away offended. How did he go away? Grieving, sad. When people think they are being treated unfairly, they get mad. But when they are asked to do what they know is right, 
but they find that they're unwilling to make the sacrifice, their souls are filled with sorrow. This is a grief that many of us as Christians, unfortunately, we know too well. There may be some impediment in our lives that we know Christ has asked us to give up, that we know He has asked us to leave behind, to walk away from, so that we could follow Him in freedom. Or maybe there is some good thing He's asking us to do that we are simply unwilling to obey. No matter how much we try to excuse or justify or distract ourselves, that thing maintains and remains sort of a kind of barricade between us and our good Savior. Sorrow of the soul is the natural result of this. And this is what's taking place in this young man's heart. We were created to enjoy sort of an unhindered communion with God. Though the path that through this spiritual darkness sometimes is long and difficult. If we have to mourn in this life, I hope it can be a mourning over our present falling condition. Combined with hope in God's mercy and God's healing. We shouldn't needlessly add to our sorrow by a stubborn refusal to follow Jesus and obey Him. If we'll be careful to do what is right, one day our mourning is going to be turned into joy, our tears will turn into laughter. And we can trust our good Jesus, our God, to save us and have mercy on us. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Blessed are